Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All right, this just in to me. They did find the shotgun. It was nearby. So now they're saying totally makes sense. It was a suicide. All right. News Talk 1110-993 WBT, hour number two underway. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show.com. And the uh, uh, Twitter account is at Pete Callender, which is where I got the link uh, sent to me from Todd. Uh, this is a New York Post story that, uh, well, it's actually quoting the Daily Mail as well, saying that a shotgun was discovered near the body of the former Clinton aide, with links to Jeffrey Epstein, who died by suicide last year, despite initial reports to the contrary. In a new set of documents obtained by the Daily Mail, it states that a 12-gauge shotgun was 30 feet from the body of Mark Middleton when he was found dead. Uh, Based on the initial report released yesterday, the outlet previously claimed there was no weapon at the scene, but the additional papers, written by Sergeant Keenan Carter, also detailed the lengths that he went to ensure his suicide attempt would be successful. All right, and then they documented, I'm not going to go into the details there, but so it now does appear to be a suicide. Uh, Look, you you cannot blame me for being skeptical. The guy that signed Jeffrey Epstein into the White House seven out of 17 times during the Clinton administration, like that was, yeah, it was, that was, the initial story was pretty weird. Okay, but nothing kills a great story like the other side of it. Um, Guess he made sure... Uh, yeah, he had yeah several boxes of shells that were found in the car. The gun case was in his car. The car was at the site as well. So, um, yeah, just it. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Alrighty. So, uh, moving on. But I wanted to clarify that because I did, I did just get that article. Um, our state auditor has pleaded guilty to a hit and run charge. Yeah, bumper car Bethwood state auditor. Um, convicted yesterday of a hit-and-run charge related to the December car crash in a state-owned vehicle. She pleaded guilty in Wake County Court. I have her statement that she read to the that she read to the court. She says, "Quote Beth Wood statement, March 23, 2023. No, I'm kidding. She didn't say that part, but she said, Your Honor." I want to speak to you and to the people of North Carolina whom I serve. I take like don't bring us into this. You do not do not say our name. You don't get to bring us into this as if we're like standing with you. But she says I want to speak to you, the judge, and all the people of North Carolina whom I serve. I take full and complete responsibility for my actions on December 8th, 2022. That is not true, by the way. That is a lie. She is not taking full responsibility for her actions. You know why? Because she fled the scene. Yeah, she fled the scene. That's why she only got charged with the hit and run. Well, she did get charged with the, uh, there was another charge that got dropped. It was, um, 
Uh, where was it? It was a lesser charge. It was uh, oh, uh, unsafe movement infraction, and that got dismissed. Um, but she said, and then she says, "Let me repeat that. I take full and complete responsibility for my actions. No excuses." Right? She chose the the better option. Not that it was a good option. I mean, she did. She still is going got the hit and run charge, right? But that's the better option to avoid the worse option. That's why you flee the scene. There is no other reason to flee the scene of a car crash unless you are trying to avoid arrest. And the only reason that you would get arrested in a car crash is if you were doing something wrong that precipitated the crash, right? There isn't another explanation. People are like, oh, wait, wait, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why it looks like this. It's because it is that. That's why it looks like this. It looks like it because it is it. She said, she, she said, quote, I made a grave mistake leaving the scene of my accident after a holiday party in downtown Raleigh. I should have stayed at the scene. I should have called law enforcement. I should have let the process play out. I was not impaired, but given the positioning of the cars and knowing I had two glasses of wine. Oh, but you only had two. Well, that's a believable number. Right. That's a totally believable number. I mean, how many times do people get pulled over for drunk driving? And when the cop says, have you had anything to drink? And they say, yeah, I had two. I mean, that's, that's, that's a number that cops never hear. Two, right? So this is like, this is like the Alec Murdoch defense. I'm not trying to tie this all to the Murdoch case. It's just, it, I just, I'm reading this and now I'm having this thought that it is very similar, right? It's like, oh, I got so scared. I usually could get the panic attack to go away, but now I couldn't get it to go away. That's what she's saying. I had a panic. Not attack, but... Uh, episode or I freaked out I panicked because the car was up onto the other vehicle and I had two glasses of wine I made an error in judgment in the moment right so what were you afraid was going to happen that you were going to get charged with a DUI well why would you have been charged with a DUI if you only had two glasses of wine and you were not impaired then why would you have been charged with a DUI unless of course you were impaired and you thought you might be impaired and so you didn't want to risk it. Or are you saying that the Raleigh police are all corrupt and they would totally railroad you for two glasses of wine and running a car because they'd come up and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you monster card this thing up on top of another vehicle, on top of a Prius or something. And, um, and so you obviously must be drunk, right? Well, they would give her a field sobriety test. And maybe that's what she didn't want to, uh, to have on video. Because you know if they're going to give her a field sobriety test, it's going to happen right there on the sidewalk, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe her being the auditor of the state of North Carolina, maybe they would take her inside that law firm. Maybe they'd bring her into the law firm where the party was occurring, right? And they'd take her to a private place and they would do a field sobriety test there. Or maybe they could have done a blood draw. Maybe they could have done a toxic or a, you know, toxic, a breathalyzer, right? They could have done a breathalyzer test on her or something. But she was definitely going to go to the second location. Right? <laughs> that, that, that seems pretty clear. I mean, if, the, if you're buying this whole corrupt Raleigh cop thing and she freaked out because, 
oh my gosh, I was so afraid the way it looked, and I had two glasses of wine. That's, you know, I had the pills in my pocket. Um, she says, if I had made the right decision, we would not be here today. No, that's probably true. You'd probably be facing like a DUI trial. While I have already paid out of my pocket for damages to the state car I was driving and to the car I hit, I regret that two young men have been charged as well. The truth is I'm a public servant elected. Yeah. Elected by the people as their state auditor. Stop bringing us into this. She says, I am human. I am not perfect. I apologize to the people of North Carolina who have trusted me. I am so very sorry to let them down. I have done my best to serve them well. For now, I will accept whatever your honor hands down. I will hold my head up and continue, God willing, to serve the people of this great state. Thank you. So she will not resign. She will not resign. Yeah. She also mentioned these two other people. Yeah, two other people have been charged because they helped her flee. One of them apparently gave her a ride home. So she's now, yeah, uh, let me see here. This is WRAL. A couple of days ago, two men are facing misdemeanor charges in connection to North Carolina State Auditor Beth Woods' December car crash. Jonah Mendes, 26 years old of Chapel Hill, charged with obstructing justice and passenger failure to give information. This was the fellow that apparently walked her to her car, and that's on the the video. There's like a, there was a camera in the uh, like on the sidewalk uh, or at a business, and then there was one in the parking deck or in the parking lot, and so it caught him walking her to her car. She gets behind the wheel, he gets in the passenger seat, and then they drive out of the lot. Now, we don't see any more video. My friend Casey O'Day, radio guy in Raleigh and Greensboro, he says he's been told by sources inside the city that there is video of the actual crash and what transpired. So that video, no, no need to get that, I guess, because now she's you know pleaded guilty. Let's just make it all go away. Um, so he was in the passenger seat and I suspect she was dropped. Like the way I envisioned this played out was that, um, she gets in the car. Like he walks her to the car after the, cause it's like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, downtown Raleigh. Uh, you know, there may be some proud boys or, you know, MAGA voters around or something that are going to like jump out and like, you know, try to attack her or something. So, uh, he walks her to the car and, um, and then she's going to drop him off. And probably in that process of dropping him off, because there was like around the corner, uh, that's when she runs up on that car. And her excuse that she, you know, uh, turned too soon when she was going to be making a right-hand turn and she turned too soon, not believable because she's a good, you know, 20, 30 feet away from the the corner that she would be turning onto. So I don't believe it. So that's the first guy. But then there's another guy, Ryan McGuirt. And he, I believe... Has some local ties. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Email is Pete at the PeteCalendarShow.com. I do have emails. I will get to them. One of the guys arrested has local ties. His name is Ryan McGuirt. And according to my sleuthery, he is originally from Charlotte, went to Providence Day, then went on to Miami University, and then transferred to App State. He was a punter. For the team. He now works for UNC as assistant director of development, which is the fundraising uh, people, right? They call them, that's the development uh, department. Um, 
So he works as assistant director of development at the Gillings School of Global Public Health. Both of these fellas are charged with obstructing justice and sort of accessory after the fact in Beth Wood's uh, hit and run, where she crashed her state-owned Toyota Camry on December 8th. Public record state McGuirt did, quote, unlawfully and willfully delay a criminal investigation by assisting Beth Ann Wood, the driver, in fleeing the scene of a reportable accident by assisting her to a parking lot and transporting her away in a white Toyota Tacoma truck that is his personal property, transporting her away from the scene. This act prevented, obstructed, impeded, and hindered legal justice. Um, Mendes was uh, the other fellow. He's accused of assisting her as well, fleeing the scene of the reportable accident. Um, they have court dates. Uh, well, one date there on uh, April 20th. Um, but Beth Wood pleaded guilty yesterday to the hit and run charge. So what kind of penalty does she get for this? Well, she already paid $7,700 out of pocket to cover the repairs and towing related to the crash. And the judge, Lewis Meyer, Wake District Judge Lewis Meyer, took that into account, factored that in. Quote, you made a big mistake. We all do make mistakes, and it's important that we pay for our mistakes and remedy our mistakes. And I believe you've done that here with the full restitution for the state damages to the state vehicle and the damages to the other vehicle. You stand convicted of a serious Class 1 misdemeanor, and that'll be on your record. So I don't feel there's a need to impose more than uh, cost of court and a fine, but I am going to make it a substantial fine because this was a very glaring incident of poor judgment and there were consequences to other folks. So that's it. Uh, It doesn't say the WRAL story doesn't say how much the fine was, but the fact that she paid to fix the state car and the car that she hit, that means that uh, that's that, that counted in her favor. And you know you made a mistake. And I think, I think it really makes you, really makes you think, you know? I think that's enough of a sentence. We've all learned from this. Let's just move on. So I got a question. Um, And the only reason I have this question is because uh, when I was in Asheville, we had a police chief up there who had an adult son uh, who also had a job with the city uh, that when they brought the chief to town, William Anderson, they brought him to town and uh, then they gave his kid a a job uh, working for like the city's public works division, but whatever. Um, But uh, he got into a car accident driving his dad's car and he fled the scene. He, he ran. Uh, they, they did find him. And he claimed somebody else was driving, a person by the name of Deontay. Uh, spoiler alert, Deontay was fictional. He did not exist. <laughs> he was made up. And uh, the kid was drunk. He had come from a party where he was drinking. He cracked up the car and then claimed someone else was driving and he fled the scene. And then when the cops show up, now like they run the tag and they say, that's the... That's the boss's car. So what happens then is that they have discussions. Calls are made. 
chief comes down to the scene, who's put in charge of the investigation, right? All of this stuff then has to get worked out. So how did that happen at this site? Because when the cops show up, when Raleigh PD shows up, they see the, the license plate. It says something like, you know, NC auditor or something on the tag. It's a it's a specific tag, but it doesn't matter because they run the tag. and They're going to find out, oh, that tag is for Beth Wood, the, the auditor. They know they know who is driving the car. So at some point that gets bumped up the chain of command and somebody's got to ask, like, do you ask like the, the desk, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the duty captain, you know, call them up and be like, Hey, you might want to kick this up to the chief or who do we want to get involved? Who's going to, you know, ride uh shotgun on this, not shotgun, I guess. Who's going to, who's going to, you know, lead this investigation because it's going to be politically sensitive. So I'd like to know what happened there. And I'd like to know why the police didn't go to her house until like days later. Like later on, or sorry, not days, but like the end of the next day. She was eventually charged like four days after the crash. But they eventually went to her for 30 hours later, something like that. Why? Well, enough time to sober up. Oh, no, she only had the two drinks, of course. Which nobody ever says it's just two drinks when they get pulled over. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. So uh, North Carolina's public schools, colleges, and universities would be prohibited from requiring a student to prove that they got the shots, the COVID-19 shots. This is a bill that uh, advanced in the state house. It would also ban state agencies, cities, and counties from denying employment to somebody who refuses to get vaccinated against COVID-19 or submit proof they have already done so. Private businesses could still opt for the mandates. The proposal passed the House Health Committee Tuesday after some Democrats questioned the need for it. (laughs) Really? Really? You're questioning the need for it? Did you? Did you not? Like, how do you go through life and just forget everything from the previous year before? I, how does that affect your daily living? Like, you just, you have no recall at all. You don't remember the pandemic? I remember the pandemic. I'm old enough to remember it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, people couldn't get jobs. People couldn't keep jobs unless they proved that they got the shots. And so now the legislature is saying, no, you can't require that. You can't require a student to prove they, that they got the COVID shots. And uh, state agencies and cities and counties cannot deny employment over this. The proposal passed the Health Committee Tuesday. The bill uh, must clear two other committees before it can be voted on by the full House. While some North, this is, by the way, by uh, the AP, Hannah Schoenbaum While some North Carolina private schools, such as Duke University, require up-to-date COVID-19 vaccinations for students and staff, 
the state's public schools do not. State law does require students at public, private, and religious colleges and universities to receive other vaccinations in most circumstances, including for mumps, measles, and uh, hepatitis B. Now that the FDA has granted full approval to two COVID-19 shot options, public health officials have said they anticipate more U.S. colleges and universities to consider new requirements. See, so that's why it's needed, Democrats. Because once the FDA gave its approval, now colleges and universities and GovCo will start requiring it. But the bill would prohibit North Carolina agencies from doing so. Meanwhile, PBS American Masters documentary on Dr. Tony the Science Fauci, which... Of all of all series titles to do a documentary on the science, the one called American Masters seems a little on the nose. <laughs> American Masters, Dr. Tony Fauci. He hopes it can inspire more public servants like him. You know Fauci, he's a giver. They started following him, following him around. In January of 2021, they followed him for 23 months. The documentary covers his career and its crises, especially the way COVID-19 was handled by the Biden administration. Oh, I'm kidding. It's the Trump administration. It's the way the Trump administration handled the virus. That's, That's the focus. Because, you know, January 2021, they start following him around. That's right in the heart of the Trump presidency right there, right? That's... Oh, no, wait, no, that's, wait, that's the whole, that's the first half of the Biden administration. So you're just following him around talking about 2020. You spent two years following him around talking about 2020. Here's his quote. When you talk about all of the different things coming together for a disaster, that's what happened. A a divided country, a president who amplified the decision and then a public health crisis, and you couldn't ask for a worse combination of things. Yeah. So it's Trump's fault. (laughs) That's it's always it's always Donald Trump's fault. That reminds me. I got an email. Let me go ahead and do this uh, email because it. uh, Yeah. From Clay regarding the topic in the first hour about the. uh, uh, The Hunter Biden uh, mole at the FBI named one eye that was tipping off people uh, about investigations against them. These Chinese uh, energy company executives and such. Uh, so uh, this is from clay, a question from the back for the media. Love your programming of the American normies. But at this point in history, who are the walls closing in on? Is it Donald Trump yet again? Is it Hunter Biden or is it Joe, the big guy, Biden? I would love to be a fly on these walls. Well, I will say this. Um, They never tell you how big the room is and how far away the walls are when it's when they started moving. And they don't tell you the pace of the wall movement. Okay, so like the walls could be moving when they're closing in on Donald Trump because they've been closing in on him for like seven years now, I want to say. Right. Like six, seven years. So with the walls closing in, 
I, as long as they have been, I am only left to believe that it's a really, 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 really big room and the walls are moving very, 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 very slowly. Eight years investigating Trump, two impeachments, multiple indictments in multiple states pending 99.9% negative media coverage and so far nothing. Joe, the big guy Biden, 50 years in office, lunch pail uncle who rode the rails to work each and every day of his life for the people, multiple estates, proud father of a crackhead son involved with widowed wife of the beloved Beau Biden who died in Iraq, but actually didn't, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month running or extorting energy companies, firing corruption prosecutors in foreign countries with billions of dollars at stake, never met a segregationist he didn't like, child-sniffing former vice president. <laughs> if these... Well, if the wall could talk, have a great weekend, Pete. Thank you, Clay. I appreciate the call. Uh, all right, now this is Mark. He's got a comment, a theory here. Mark from Boston. Call it all the way from Boston. Or are you are you just from Boston now living locally? Wait, no, we spoke before. So I, I'll give you two things. It, it, it's perfectly apparent that it was a suicide. Because all he had to do is, um, well, let me give the first story. There was a guy that committed suicide in a locked room, deadbolts, um, no other way in, but there's no key on the outside, so you couldn't lock it. It was locked from the inside, and he hung himself, and they couldn't figure out how he did it. And you have to have a John Grisham criminal mind to figure this out. He had a block of ice, and as it melted, he hung himself. Mm -hmm. And it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But that's the same thing with this guy. That maybe had a big block of ice and um, took the sawed-off shotgun. He had a. He did have a bench. So this is so this is the theory now is that, and I didn't want to go into the details, but there was a bench, <laughs> and that was there. They found the gun. It was like thirty feet away, and some people say, "Oh, I, the, the recoil on that shotgun wouldn't have put it thirty <laughs> feet away or whatever." But that's that is essentially the where well, they did find it, and they're saying that he shot himself, which then you know the gun flies out of his hands, obviously. <laughs> And that's he, a lot. That's a lot of recoil on that gun. And he falls off of the. And he falls off of the bench, and that's. And then. It, and then the 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 noose finishes. <laughs> Apparently, suicide. Then. Yes, that's what they ruled. That's the, Yeah, that, that's what and they a ruled. Guy, a guy back home. A, back, a guy back home shot himself in the back of the head three times and burnt his vehicle, and it was an apparent suicide. That does sound very suicidal. Very suicidal. Yeah. Mark, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, this and you know, part of the problem with this is that the guy used to be a Clinton aide, and that's the problem, because there are a lot of people for some reason. Ah. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. I do not know. Chris wants to know who was yelling "Get her out of here" on that tape of Beth Wood. We don't know. I don't know. Um, seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. I got an email um, to do from Matthew. Uh, Pete, this is why you need a law to get rid of the proof of uh, vaccination uh, status. This is directly from the city of Charlotte's uh, jobs website. Quote, the city of Charlotte requires proof of COVID-19 vaccination as a condition of employment for any new city of Charlotte employees. So that's why this house bill is being run. So you... You can't force that in any city, county, state agency. You cannot deny employment. You can't make it a requirement for students uh, to go to a state school um, now that it's gotten FDA approval. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate that. So, Because apparently, um, yeah, apparently 
some Democrats on the House Health Committee up in Raleigh, they didn't understand why this was even necessary. <laughs> well, this is why it's necessary. Uh, let me get here. Uh, Emily, welcome to the program. Hello, Emily. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Pete. I love your show. Thank you. Way. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, just real quickly, our son is Andrew Neil Kirkpatrick. He was accepted to Chapel Hill, and that was in the fall of 2022. Yep. But he, he, he got accepted through their global launch program, so he was all set to go to Scotland. But he did get a lot of pressure to get the vaccine, um, the COVID vaccine. Um, so Neil chose not to get it, and we gave him that choice. He chose not to get it, and um, he sent in a couple of letters, just you know, like an exemption letter. And we thought he was, the people at Chapel Hill, I have to say, they were actually pretty good. They were pretty nice about it. And they thought things would work out okay. And we were all set to go to Scotland, really excited. And then he found out, I think it was 24 hours before we had to pay. He found out, they they came back to us and said, no, he cannot go to Scotland. And (laughs) who was the, who, who was the they that said that? Who was the, I'm sorry, what? Who was the, when you said they said he couldn't go, who was they? Yeah, I think it was a combination. Chapel Hill was working with the group in Scotland. Um, You know, they handle the study abroad program. He was just going to be over there for a semester. Um, So, but anyways, let me finish what happened. The good news is, is they said no. Um, They said this isn't going to work to go to Scotland. And I figured out, we figured out what it was. Um, He was not going to be able to have his own room in Scotland. He was going to be sharing a room and a bathroom. And so apparently they were afraid with COVID that that would be dangerous if he didn't have a vaccine. So Chapel Hill, to their credit, they said he can't go. He can't go to Scotland, but he can go to Ireland. (laughs) And (laughs) and we're we're Scotch-Irish. We're into a lot of that stuff. So anyways, at the last minute, within 24 hours, we gave our son the choice. We said, well, you can't go to Scotland, but you can go to Ireland. You can go to Scotland if you want to get the vaccine. And um, our son said, no, I'm going to Ireland. <laughs> so that's what he did. He went in the fall, and they did not require the vaccine. And um, he had his own room. He had his own bathroom. So I guess they felt like he was safe. Yeah. He got COVID. So this was, I was going to ask you when this occurred. You're saying this was last fall. Yeah, recently. This yeah. was in the fall. Yep. So he just said, a couple months ago. Yes, and I know for a fact there were about six, seven, maybe seven, seven students from the Charlotte area that got accepted to this program. So he, you know, he made great friends, had a really good time. And by the way... Did he kill any of them with COVID? Did he kill them, his <laughs> friends? No? <laughs> no, but they okay. all got sick with some... They were sick a lot, just because the weather <laughs> was so dreary. But let me tell you something else that was interesting. Never once was he asked about vaccine status, never once. And they, he and his friends, I think there were 17 of them at Chap, um, Chapel Hill freshmen that were, that were living together in Ireland, never once were they asked uh, to show any proof of vaccination hmm. in Ireland. And they also went to Italy. You know, they traveled while they were there. Sure. So that's interesting. So uh, did anybody uh, resent him for having his own room if they were all sharing rooms? Okay, I didn't explain that well enough. Um in Ireland, everybody had their own. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It's like they cooked up in these apartments. It was at Maynooth University, which is a beautiful school, and just they were in brand new um, student housing, and it was like an apartment. Yeah. And everybody had their own room and bathroom, and then they had a common living area. So there were six of them 
and pretty cool apartment. And yeah, no. Well, glad he got to go. Yeah, we're glad he got to go. That's uh, that, what an experience, Emily. I appreciate the call. I got to run. I, the music is playing. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Have a great weekend. Yeah, what a great experience. I went to Ireland once. I had my own room too.